0: You wonder why. And it's not that you're upset you failed. You're upset that you realize that you're a person who fails and you have no proof of the opposite. Mm. And the truth of it is, if you just stayed the course in any of the ventures, you'd have proof of the opposite.
1: To the Redefining Wealth podcast with me, your host, Patrice Washington. I am so excited about this season. We are still in the ramp up phase of this, our seventh season, and I could not imagine having a better conversation than the one you're about to hear with former NFL athlete turned best selling author, entrepreneur, and someone who's really passionate about helping you have identity shifts anthony trucks so phenomenal i've been on his podcast i'm so excited to welcome him to our podcast community and if you're brand new here you want to go ahead and subscribe wherever you are listening to this right now make sure you subscribe because this community is one that understands that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions we believe in the original 12th century definition of wealth, which says it's about the condition of well being. And so on these episodes, you're going to hear my insights, but also these brilliant interviews where we tap into what I like to call the six pillars of wealth. These are the areas of life that are impacting your finances, even when you're not thinking about them. And boy, does Anthony pull out a lot of things that we were not necessarily thinking about, but he's going to share how it's impacted his life and ultimately his wealth? Now, before we jump into this week's episode, let's get to our affirmation of the week.
0: You know, you got to speak positivity into your life, into your day. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to well.
1: This week's affirmation is My identity is who I am, not what I do. I am making a conscious choice to not base my identity, who I am, by my roles, what I do. I do not require others to agree with or approve what I think and what I do. My worth and importance is not determined by external validation. I choose to change my current identity because I believe the purpose I am being called to requires that I know not just what I want, but who I need to become in the process. I am fully stepping into the mindset and habits of who I am becoming, not what was passed on to me from others my identity is who i am not what i do today's guest is anthony trucks anthony is a former nfl athlete american ninja warrior and international speaker who has been featured in success netflix and amazon prime anthony is a loving father husband man of faith and a best-selling author as well as the creator of the shift method where he helps people close the identity gaps that are responsible for the shortfalls on their path to success without further ado here's anthony welcome to the redefining wealth podcast anthony
0: hey thank you for having me it's a, it's good morning as well i don't know if anybody's listening in the morning but we're gonna say good morning if it's nighttime it's okay good morning <laughs>
1: So Anthony, I am really, uh, was really looking forward to this conversation. Um, in this season of the redefining wealth podcast, the pillar that we're really leaning into is the people pillar. And so we always talk about, uh, you know, one of the pillars of wealth is about creating relationships that matter. And what I love about what you talk about is that it really acknowledges that that first relationship is with yourself. Right. Like before you can really dive into having quality relationships with others, you have to actually know who you are. And I think so many of us, um, for one reason or another life, how we grow up, just the the cards that get dealt. We struggle with this idea of identity and who we truly are. So I want to go back to like kind of like your origin story before we dive into your method and what your book is about. Um, because I understand you were adopted. Yeah. So let's just go back to who you were adopted by. Cause I found that interesting. And then yeah, like, <laughs> and then like how that kind of just shaped your identity early on.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I was given away at three years old. First, my biological mom is white. My, uh, biological dad I've come to know is, uh, is black. He's actually from Nigeria. So I'm a first generation Nigerian American, uh, last name should be Osai Bovo, but I didn't find that out until I was like 21. And, uh, and so my, my real mom, she essentially gave me away at three years old with me and my three siblings into foster care. They have a different dad. I'm the only person with the same dad, same mom. So like they literally broke the mold <laughs> once they made me. Um, and then I got uh, bounced around between a bunch of different really bad people's houses, like foster homes at that time were what's called a paycheck. So as long as I don't die in these homes, they get a paycheck for me. So I was like beaten. I was starved. Just really heinous stuff by some really sad people, man. And I ended up in the family, which is my current family, which is fairly unique. Uh, I grew up the only black person in a really poor all white family. And so the majority of my upbringing, my my childhood was developing myself in a realm where I didn't see myself except for a mirror. Like, so I didn't really have a sense of who I was or where I fit or any of those aspects. The, the interesting thing, I had a lot of my black moments though. Like I had a lot of <laughs> kids make fun of me and stuff. Uh, I had that whole thing, but the foster mom in that house was, she was very loving, man. She didn't have like any aspect of um, a difference. In fact, she, I think she taught me, I feel like she did teach me a lot about how to navigate human emotion in different ways. So when these kids did these things, said these things, she, she allowed me to not get angry at all white people. It was more like, that's just a broken person. They come from a different home. Like, so Mm -hmm. she, she kind of parented me differently and allowed me to not have this disdain or anguish or, resentment of people who, you know, didn't treat me right. And so it was just a different way of, of bringing myself up. And it took me a lot of years. I wasn't adopted till I was 14. That's the first time I knew for sure, like, Hey, this place that I woke up, I'm going to bed. So that was my, uh, my early developmental years was just kind of navigating. Who am I? Where do I fit in this crazy world?
1: And so how do you end up in the NFL? Like what I
0: was, <laughs> I really, I'm not even kidding. I know that. My wife and I sit back and go like, "How are you, you?" Because here's what you don't know about this this family growing up. We, when I say poor, we were poor, dysfunctional. I make this joke that I grew up poor white trash, like legit. It's I'm obviously black, but it's like we didn't have much of anything academically. I don't know if my mom. My mom didn't graduate from the high school. She had my older brother when she was 14. My dad is only 12 years older than me because she married younger and I was adopted, obviously. So my dad's like a buddy more than he is like my dad. you know? So there's this dynamic of academics weren't focused on no one was making good money. Like you so in my family of six kids, I'm the only one to have graduated from a high school without a GED or continuation school. Um, the only one in my family, immediate family and my uncles and cousins, all that extension to go to college. So like there's this weird oddity of like who I am and I couldn't exactly tell you how I got to the NFL. I do know that like my sophomore year, I met a girl who was uh, amazing, eventually married her years later, but like she was a huge catalyst. She grew up in the family where it's like, we come home, you don't do anything till academics are done and homework's done. She helped me navigate my schooling. So when I was getting good at football, which I started out by being really horrible, got really good. The barrier was sport. That's like academics. If I couldn't get my academics right, I'm not going to college. And so mm-hmm. she was paramount in helping me kind of navigate. How do I study? Because I'm an intelligent human, but not book smart. Like at the time I wasn't book smart. I didn't have skills for studying, but I was creepy street smart and i still am and fairly, you know, <laughs> I do. but she kept, she paired it up. So yeah, the, the NFL was a, a long journey of first getting through academics, then getting really good at sports and then having a drive to see what what I'm capable of doing, which I think is where a lot of people fall short. They there's not this insatiable desire to figure out what am I truly capable of?
1: Oh, that's so good. That's so good. There's not an insatiable desire to figure out what I'm truly capable of. Yeah, because I love that you even say that you weren't just naturally talented at football. You got good. And I think that we give up so soon. Like there's there's not this um sense of like, well, let me, let me keep going. Let me keep trying. Let me, let me figure out my weaknesses so I can develop those. A lot of people just give up. It's like, oh, that's not the thing I'll move on. Oh, that's not the thing I'll move on. And before you know it, you've moved on through decades of things and you're upset.
0: Mm -hmm. You wonder why, and it's not that you're upset. You failed. You're upset that you realize that you're a person who fails and you have no proof of the opposite. And the truth of it is if you just stayed the course in any of the ventures, you'd have proof of the opposite. And that's where I find that a lot of people fall short. Like if I had to quit football, like at one point I did, I was like, I'm done with this game and I gave up. And that was early, like 15. I was like, no, I'm gonna figure this out. And I leaned in, that leaning in led me to the NFL. Cause at 15 years old, if I didn't have this, this this, the change of heart, we'll call it or a small little shift. I'm not putting the effort and energy in to create something. And I just got really hungry and I stayed the course. And I had a lot of pitfalls. A lot of people make fun of me. A lot of teammates trucks. What are you doing, man? You suck. Why are you out there catching footballs and running routes and lifting weights, but you're garbage. And I was at that time, you know, but I built into it and I did the work and lo and behold, I was, you know, able to get a scholarship and play in the NFL. But the only difference I think between me and many people is that level where I just, I stayed the course. The journey to greatness is a really, it's a painful one. And most people, they don't realize what it looks like. And, I'm sure you've had success, right? You've had your, your podcast. You, I guarantee you'll be able to attach to this. At some point we try something new that we've never done, but we have an, uh, an affinity for we are inspired by it, or we're curious about it. We get some passion. And what we do is we, we try it and we realize we have a 10 of 10 of pain. Cause I'm not good. So I go, oof, this sucks. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, well, I'm not going to subject myself to this pain anymore. I'm not masochistic. I'm going to make a really good excuse and not do it again. And I walk away with this amazing lesson that you just learned from failing. And wise people who have become successful, okay, I got this lesson, I'm gonna do it again. And people go, what well, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy, I'm just, I learned something new, I'm gonna try it and they go, you're crazy. So you go do it and you try it again, it's a 9.5 of pain. They go, see, you suck, it's still a point. No, but I learned something else. What do you mean you learned something else? You do it again, you do it again. And it goes from a 10 to a nine, and eventually get to a zero. And what most people assume is at, at zero, it's painless, but painless isn't fulfilling. At Mm -hmm. zero, it's not zero, it's actually joy. It's this thing where when I hated doing it in the beginning, I've gotten so good, so skilled, so invested so much, it's become part of me, that's who I am now. I have joy doing it. Mm -hmm. So I hated Mm -hmm. football at first because it made me feel like physical pain because I sucked and emotional pain because I sucked. Eventually I'm like, bro, give me a helmet. To this day, I miss it. It's a whole different feeling.
1: Wow. You explained that so beautifully, thank you. That was really good. So tell me what happened then with the NFL because that's a whole nother identity shift, right? Because now you're known as this NFL player or people, you know, I guess attach success or fame or whatever. I don't know, whatever gets attached to being an NFL player, right? Because I do know I've had friends that were athletes coming out of you know, USC and then something happens and mm-hmm. that's gone. And I've seen people spiral and Big I've time. seen people shift and not just with the NFL, but any career change. A lot of mm-hmm. times for folks, if you have this career that's attached to a lot of notoriety and then those labels go away, mm-hmm. it's like, who am I when that's done? What was that experience for you?
0: Yeah, I think for me, it was the same as everybody else. I i have been doing this thing for a long period of time and I woke up one day, (laughs) I wasn't able to do that thing. It's it's actually fairly straightforward. It's like I was doing it. I I was invested 13 years of my life, it's who I was. And whenever you've poured into something for a long time, the fortunate and unfortunate thing is it becomes a part of who you are to your core. Mm -hmm. And you actually gauge your value off this thing. It could happen in being in a relationship, it could happen in the career, the house, the body, right? And so the moment that that thing that you are normalized to is no longer part of you, and you've poured in, you're like, well, I have nothing from that. That's like people always go like, I don't want to leave this relationship because I've been in it too long. You know, it, it would be, it would mean nothing. What are you talking about? You've learned so much about human connection, interaction. Like, you know, You've learned what you, what you do and don't do, who you'll fit with, who you won't. You've learned a ton. But we have this assumption that, that it all goes to, to waste. And so when we wake up on that day and we go, I can't do this anymore. I could not do football. I thought, I'm nothing without football. I'm, I'm nobody. And it's so incorrect. And what I've noticed is a lot of us, we get to this moment where I look at like the fruit of our labor, like the fruit of my labor was football. That's who I was. And that fruit fell off the tree. And when your fruit falls off the tree because you left the job, and it happens by chance or by choice, it can happen because I chose to leave the job, start a business, leave a relationship, start a relationship, whatever it is. Or by chance, like when I left the NFL, I happened on an injury. I tore my shoulder. I had no choice, right? Just chance happened. No matter what it is, when you wake up that day, you have this fruit fall off the tree. You feel like the fruit. You can hang for a little bit. It's like for a little bit, you're like, I'm cool. I used to be the CEO of this business. I used to own this thing. I used to be in a but give it a month, two months, give it a year, mm-hmm. that apple rots. You feel rotten. And what happens is we start to negatively affect the rest of our life. So for me, like I had a couple, I had three kids by this time. I'm out of NFL. I had one in college, two more after the NFL. So now I'm not a present father. I'd married my high school sweetheart. We were, you know, mother of my children. Marriage fell apart, got divorced. Business was failing because I came home and opened a gym business. My body's out of shape. I don't feel like I'm anybody because football's gone. And I neglected everything. And the reason that we do this is because we assume we're the apple. when we have never been the apple. We've always been the tree. Yeah, It's different. And so the thing is, when you when you don't grasp this, yes, you're focused on an apple, but you lose sight of the tree. So all the other apples die. The relationship, the health, the parenting, because you're not tending to the branches or giving it nutrients or putting it in the right soil. So for me, I did what a lot of us do is we just neglected the tree. And so everything died. And it took me a lot of years to go, wait, I got to go back and take care of this tree and taking care of the tree. I built my life back up. But like, yeah, we all have those spiraling moments because we're not typically aware or taught how to handle that moment when we wake up and everything's gone.
1: I have a confession to make. My relationship with looking good is so complicated. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like high quality clothes. I just don't like going shopping and I definitely don't always wanna pay high quality prices if you know what I'm saying. Plus, I don't always wanna wear the same stuff over and over again. So I was super excited when I found out about the clothing rental membership armoire because they are making getting dressed stylish but super easy. When I signed up, I took a five minute style quiz and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my lifestyle. I'm filming in a few weeks and I literally just got the cutest blazers delivered to my door in as little as two days. And when I'm ready for new clothes, I can just swap them out for more new to me styles. So whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for some black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room and you won't have to feel bad for only wearing something once. Now, What I also love is that Armoire is women-founded and women-led. They even spotlight women-owned designers on their website. So I know I'm wearing brands that are aligned with my values. I love that I can support a business that's built by women like me. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you might want to try Armoire. I promise you will never be without the perfect outfit for any occasion ever again. And right now, Redefining Wealth listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash wealth. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash wealth to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Oh, So good. We are the tree. I used to have this um, thing when I first started. My business card said... Uh, changing roots, changing fruits, changing lives. And I used (laughs) to say that same thing about finances, right? People see the fruit and then they want to like, I want different fruit. And it's like, you're not going to just get different fruit. You have to change the roots. Like you have to actually do the work. And a lot of that is foundationally where, you know, redefining wealth and the six pillars of wealth come from. It's all the other parts of our lives that actually impact we, you know, financial wealth, because that's what people know me for is, is as a financial expert. But really, it's the relationships. It's our faith. It's um, our mental and physical fitness. It's our space. It's all the other stuff that we actually need to tend to. And so I can only imagine that when you say I had to go back and like really focus on this tree. What did that look like for you? What were some of the first things you started to do?
0: Yeah, so it's funny you say the roots, the fruits, all that kind of stuff. There's actually a part of our coaching that we cover. And it's called Roots and Fruits. It's definitely what we call it. And there's, there's this base of the roots we have that feed the fruits. And so when you say how to go to the tree, it was actually fairly straightforward. I'll, you can teach it now. I'll teach you right now. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So they're simply like what I look at as five roots, which are faith, family, health, friends, and emotional control. So faith being faith. It could be a spiritual faith. It could be self-faith, family. Which is going to be like, do I have an immediate base of family that gives me anchorage? Because for me, if my family's out of whack, the rest of the world can't see me. Like, I'm not good out there. I got to be good here first. So the family anchor, where's that at? Where's my friendship base? Do I have good friends, the family I choose that are there when I need them? It could be colleagues, could be coworkers, whatever it may be. Like, do you have the friendships? Do you have your health? Right? If I have my health and I'm focused, there's a whole kind of saying of, if you have your health, you have a million dreams. If you don't, you have one. And the last piece is, do I have emotional control in heated moments that I didn't plan? Because life throws a lot of stuff at us, and a lot of us don't have this emotional control in the moment and go, hold on, pause. I got an argument with a lady yesterday at the Verizon store. <laughs> she didn't have emotional control. And I wasn't in an argument. she just I was like, she was doing her whole thing and she started getting very just worked up. I'm like, pause for a second. I'm not mad at you. It, the emotion doesn't have to be. it's just weird. But I see how this diminishes people's ability to have success. Because eventually, I was like, I'm out of here. I left. She lost business because she couldn't control her emotions. So when you have these things rooted, it will allow you to grow great fruits. If you don't, if your family's out of whack, your face out of whack, your friendships are out of whack, your health is out of whack, or you, you can't control yourself emotionally, you don't create great fruits. The five fruits that I've found to be kind of like the base, and there are obviously could be a bunch, is I found career. Right. Do I have a career that I love? Because if I'm, if I'm anchored, I could do a career I love to do. Do I have any kind of finances, which you cover? Right? Do I have finance that give me the ability to explore and expand and grow myself? Education, am I learning? Am I able to have the space to go and learn not just from books, but from the world and from life? I think life's a phenomenal teacher, but we always miss class or leave class. We fail tests, right? but we gotta educate ourselves. Do I take a time to escape? To call it escape, do I go and live life? Because mm-hmm. we'll spend time bubbling into our little areas and in our same three mile trip to and from work, but not many people go and explore the places that this world in our day and age has made it uniquely possible more than ever. Getting a flight, I'm gonna be this time tomorrow. I'll be in Baltimore, and then 24 hours later, I'll be in Atlanta, and then I'll be in and I'll be in Alabama, and I'll be home. That was never possible before these times, right? Mm-hmm. And the last part is. Got the roots and all the stuff down. Like, also, do I have the ability to live in a purpose? Can I have what I call my lift that elevates my soul to a higher level? And that's one of the missing pieces, I think, for a lot of people is like waking up going, This is what I'm put here to do. It's an interesting space that's a gift to receive that not many people actually get a chance to receive.
1: So good. I know uh, our purpose chasers that are listening are like, oh, my gosh, we couldn't have been connected, (laughs) brought together at a better point. Like so much of what you just said is really what underscores redefining wealth and what we talk about here. And I want to get into some some practical things. So for you, as your marriage had failed, as you as you described it, um, you got a divorce. Mm -hmm. Did you get remarried?
0: We did, she actually just walked by my office a moment ago. We had my wife and I, three years after divorce, custody battles, all the fun stuff you can imagine. Wow. Legally divorce too, like actual paperwork. Um, yeah, we got, we got remarried back uh, five years ago now.
1: Wow, okay, Anthony. So give us some practical things. Like what were you working on that created the space for you guys to be able to come back together?
0: Uh, what was I working on? Every part of myself, I think is that's probably the best answer for it. It's interesting because everybody assumes that it was, um, all we just decided to do it like for the kids, which is a good piece of it. Or, you know, we, it, we were just addicted to each other, which here's the crazy thing. Neither of us were the same person. We got back together. There was this weird bubble of time where I woke up one day and I was like, I hate this guy. Like he wasn't a good dad. He wasn't a good husband. Apparently you know, multiple partners, which was never part of who I was as a human before that. Like I'd steered clear for my faith for a while. Um, it just wasn't like a guy that I would want my daughter to be with or my sons to emulate. I was like, this dude sucks. And I was like, all right, got to change something. So I started changing things big time. And so I started working on myself. And if you ask for practical, tactical, here was the first thing I did. I sat down on a brown couch. I, I carved out time and I cleared all my, no more calls. I wasn't hanging out with women anymore, swore women off. I was like, I'm just going to, Ask a bunch of questions on this brown couch, looking at a brown wall, and see if answers pop up. And the answers were ones I didn't like, but the questions were ones that were needed to be asked. Why did the marriage fail? Why was I not being a good dad? Why was the business not more profitable? You know, why was it I couldn't get into a relationship and stay in one anymore? Like true questions that when you get to the depth of them, they hurt. And I even asked other people in my life, I was like, hey, I'm gonna ask you these questions, man. What are your thoughts on this? And I let them tell me, and it hurt. I turned into me having some really hard conversations, really hard apologies, but in doing so, like it allowed me to go in this depth where I realized that if it did not unsettle me to think of it or do it, I just didn't do it. I I sought the things that felt incredibly uncomfortable because I think that there's this level of discomfort with what we know is right. Mm. The thing that we know we're supposed to do. So I leaned in, did that, and 10 months later, in a weird turn of events, my Ex wife, she had always been kind of like a Catholic, but not really close to faith. Cause I think, like, when you're young, for some reason, young Catholics aren't close to faith and they get older, like, I got to go back to God. So they go back later. <laughs> but like, Christians, we kind of have her off and on throughout life. But like, she, she kind of found Christianity in a sense of like non Catholicism. And mm. it was a weird way it happened. She woke up one day and it was like a Sunday. I had the kids. She was hungover, no friends to call. She's 30 years old. She was like, this can't be my life. So, she picked up a Joyce Meyer book her brother had given her and started reading it. And she came to faith in a whole different way on her own. And so I tell people that we were individually, but simultaneously having God work on us. And so 10 months later, she, she says, Hey, I want to go on this vacation. But I, I, for like three weeks away from this small town we live in, because everybody knows everything, right? So she's like, I want to get out of here. She's like, would you come with me? Like, I don't want to, like, we're not together I'm not trying to do that. Just, I, I know you can't be away from the kids, but I know you can travel, so let's do it. So we said, okay. I was like, I'll go. have my own separate room. And uh, and we were there for three weeks. Yeah, three solid weeks. And the best way I can explain is the time I got to meet someone for the first time that I'd known for 16 years. Wow. So a different breed of human. She's, she's not perfect, nor am I, but it was a vastly different growth of human. And so that was a progression towards that. And that was just that one small piece, right? Everything else started trickling in, business got better, became a better father. And it's been years. I'm still building to be the best man that I can. And by no means am I ever gonna be perfect, but I have an aspiration to be. And that's kind of the goal. So I I fixed a lot of stuff. I've crossed a lot of finish lines in my life. And I explained to people that in order for me to do the work I do, like I can't go into the world and teach you how to run the race unless I've already crossed the finish line. Right. That's that's the big thing. And I don't think enough people realize like you gotta cross. So I had to cross a lot of finish lines but it set me up uniquely to have a viewpoint from experience on how to do something similar for your life.
1: After the break, let's get into more about the book Identity Shift right after this. Hey Purpose Chasers, good news. The Chase Purpose Not Money merch store is now open 365 days a year, 24 seven. So if you've been waiting to get your Chase Purpose, Not Money merch, now is the time. You can grab your tees, your sweatshirts, your hoodies, your candles, your mugs, whatever it is you want to represent that you are a purpose chaser is available for you. Just head to ChasePurposeNotMoney.com. Okay, Anthony. So let's talk more about Identity Shift now, how you operate to elevate your life, I understand there's a three-step process, and I really want you to break that down for us. So we're going to start with C. Tell us about that. Yeah.
0: So the C phase, I'll tell you all of them so it'll make sense, but it's C, shift, sustain. But the C phase is the one that everybody skips. We always go to the shift phase. We always go, I want to I wanna shift some things in my life. What do I got to do? And I I think it's interesting because we should do that, but it's timing is the important piece. A lot of us will go out into the world and we'll borrow thoughts and ideas and habits we see famous people do or friends we have that tell us to do things. And we never actually take a look and see, is it the right thing for me to do? Mm -hmm. Will it it plug the holes that are in a unique array in my bucket? Because your friend might have holes, but the the array and the the placement of them is different than yours. So if you do their things, you're going to plug holes in those spots, but they don't cover your spots. And so in the process of looking through my life, like what I was going through my kind of crazy, right? I was, I was doing things that I thought were the work to do. And then you get to the point of being burned out and you're broken and you're like tired. You're like, I'm putting so much energy in doing all the stuff I, I was told to do. Why is my life no better? It's because no one goes to the C phase and the C phase is twofold. The first part of the C phase is we have to see ourselves in the ways that we don't want to see ourselves. Like the, uh, the things like when I sat and was like, what's wrong with you and why this stuff that was the stuff I had to see of myself and not many people want to do it. And on, on top of that, there are people in our life who will tell us these things, but we don't want to see it. So what we do is we cut them off because we don't want to attack on our ego. I don't want anybody to see me sweat. So like, oh, you're crazy. But deep down we go, no, they're right. But I don't feel like have that conversation. So we avoid you know, that's it. That's
1: really hard. So, so let's just camp out there for a second because- yeah you know, I'm a coach, right? So usually I'm coaching clients, they have paid me to coach them so I can see things that maybe they can't see and I can acknowledge it and they might be upset, but hey, it's their thing. It's hard as someone who can still see those things um, in family and friends and you want to say something <laughs> and you yeah. want to bring it up or you want to be like, hey, um, this may be the reason um, it's hard not to to end up having conflict because people are not ready to see. So on both sides, yeah. how, like, how do you manage that? I'm sure your wife was telling you things before you guys broke up. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not like you all of a sudden woke up like, oh, I've been a trash dad or not a great husband. Like, oh, no, it's, it's, Yeah. there were things no. leading up to that.
0: Always are for all of us, that there's a, a constant barrage of information coming in. We choose what we want, let it, the ego is the big piece I talked about. Uh, but kind of bypass the ego is a thing where it protects the current identity. It, in my opinion, there's a lot of things you could talk about the ego, but I think the ego shows up in actions to protect the identity I have in place. The problem is that identity has good and bad parts. Protecting the good parts is good. Good mom, good dad, good coach, whatever. There's also the bad parts of like, you know, to not communicate it, um, you know, doesn't like to admit their faults. Like, so when that ego feels whatever's going on, it automatically rears its head. So then we go, can't talk to Bob. You know, surely can't listen. So I'm just I,
1: <laughs> right.
0: I avoid having conversations about those things. And the reality is, is now we're hurting two people: the person who wants to be connected to you, and the person who could be better if they just listened. And so what I've found is, and we actually have an exercise in our coaching that works people through this, and it really is uncomfortable for people. But it's a very, very good clear. We've mended relationships that have been broken for 20 years with this method. Like it's very interesting how it all pans out. But the reality is, is you have to be able to have a space to have somebody share the thing with you, you don't want to hear. And they have to feel comfortable. And in doing so you have to learn how to absorb it and not respond for 48 hours. Ooh. So it's it's Yeah, but it's it's really difficult. But you sit and you have to, you ask questions, you have them score you tell them why. And there's even a method to how you have to uncover that. But when you do it, The interesting thing is you'll usually come out of it and after the 48 hour pause where the emotions have spiked up and typically come back down because you spent two days in your own head getting angry and you go, okay, you get tired and naturally go, okay, let me think about this. You go, oh yeah, all right. You know, it's a natural journey. Then what happens is in the emotion, you didn't damage the relationship more. The person felt heard and you actually get a chance to go back in a quiet moment and go, look, you know, hey, you might be right about this. And now you have connected to the person they feel heard and you have input that you might, if you're good, smart about it, you might give yourself permission to improve upon. Mm -hmm. And so that that's one space where people don't see. But if you can see now, you know what to work on. That's the cool thing. Now, when I go to shift, I know what my work is. That's the crazy thing. People don't realize it's so beneficial knowing what your work is. It's like saying I'm going to build a house as I I put boards up just to throw it together or I'm going to architect the house. I'm going to get someone to build the blueprint. You actually get to go back and make a blueprint. A lot of us are out there with the hammer and nails and wood, like, let me slap something together. Maybe, maybe it'll be a roof. I don't know. <laughs> and no one's actually looking at building a house properly.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I couldn't imagine, um, you know, with that shift, I think, I think that's what leads people to, we say, chasing money. Um, so just doing all the things and being upset or confused about why things are not panning out, but you're doing a bunch of busy work, not necessarily your work, right? Just like you said, things that sound good, that look good. My friend did it. Um, I saw my cousin do it. That's why I think personally, that's why I think a lot of people end up pursuing degree after degree, certification after certification, like always trying to find the thing that they think is going to be the key, Um, but the key to what door? right? Because that's not your door. Is that the door you were supposed to walk through? Probably, maybe not. Uh, maybe and not. now, maybe, yeah. maybe not. But I end up finding um with like the clients that I coach that they've waste not wasted, because you've learned in those years, but a lot of years, a lot of energy, a lot of money has been spent pursuing things that never mattered to them in the first place.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it did not that it didn't matter to them, but it mattered to the people in their life, and they and, and sometimes they do it because they want to matter to the people in their life. Mm, we cool. do it in these weird ways of looking at life, and I, I'm real big on like set your own scale, man. Like I tell you right now, my wife and my best friend in the world, they did not in any way, shape, or form support what I do for years. Like at one point, my wife and my were like chalk it up, bro. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like this is not a real thing. Stop this. I was like, no, that's what I want to do. Like, I feel ridiculously called to do this. Nah, you're just crazy. No one does that. And now I'm one of the best in the world at what I do. Mm-hmm. So there's this journey of like, you, you kind of have to, people do the thing that's the, the shift work that's typically comfortable. They, they'll go to school because there's a comfort in what I know in school. There's a heavy discomfort in what I don't know of starting something, getting a job, building a business. And so what we'll do is we'll put the energy in a place that we have a, in our head, a reliable outcome. I know that if i do this at least i'm set up for x y and z and that's all good and well but how many like of all the doctors and all the the lawyers and stuff how many are truly incredibly happy free with the wealth like it's not a whole lot and i know a lot it's like it's their job they, they, to them it's no different than a job they go to a job they make good money they live in a better house and stuff but they can't always experience it it's hard to take trips they're not all Dr. Strange from the Marvel, like with Ferraris, you know, like it's a different world and a lot of lawyers are overworked and underappreciated. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like this thing you, you went and build. Yeah. It's great to have the accolade and look mom, what I did. And mom can go, well, yeah, my son or my daughter's a lawyer. They're a doctor and it's great for mom and dad, but for them, it's like, man, they, they daydream about other stuff. Now, again, I, it's could be, a, I could be dead wrong. I'm sure there are a lot of people that love their job as a doctor, love it, but it's still a job. It's not a full expression for everybody. And I do think there's something where we just build into something. And once you're in too far, it's hard to redirect. Can you imagine going in and getting, you know, all through med school and then, you know, all this stuff and doing your residency and then like a year and going, I don't want to do this. I hate this, but I've put, I just, I guess I have to do it for the rest of my life. Like, I'm sure that it happens for a lot of people in those quiet moments, but they're like, I just keep leaning in and they find ways to adapt and find the joy within it, which I'm all for. Find joy in something you're doing if you have to do it. But I am not built internally to do something that doesn't wake me up and make me excited. You said, hey, when we first got on, it's seven in the morning, man. You're committed to this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's honestly not as much about you as it is to like my love for what I get to do and express and share. It's, mm-hmm. it's that's the thing. I get up and it's like it's like six, whatever tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I get to go talk to people and share a thought or share a message that hopefully somebody hears and goes, yeah, that helping day. That inspires the crap out of me. I'm excited to do it. This isn't a mm-hmm. job. It's weird that it's I get I get paid to do these things from stages. It's very weird to me, but I'm like, hey, <laughs> I get to go do it. That's yeah. the space I wish everyone could into for whatever they do. And maybe this thing, you might actually have it. There, there's definitively a lot of people who have nine to five jobs who do have this. It's just for me, this is my way to have it.
1: Yeah, totally agree. When I first started to, I mean, I won't even say when I first started, I was years into this Um and, you know, I'm first generation American as well. And and my parents just could not understand why I did not apply for jobs or go to grad school when I graduated from college and then lost everything in the recession and had to start over from scratch. And and my dad was like, So it's time to get a job now. Like <laughs> you need to get a job or go to law school. Yeah. And they didn't understand the idea of coaching or speaking or why I would want to be an author or any of these things. But to your point I just could not see myself doing anything else. I I just couldn't see it. And so I turned down jobs that my family needed, right? Like at that time we needed the check, but I just knew it would take me too far off the path. I would get so inundated with that, that I wouldn't be working towards what I saw in my mind or what I, what I felt in my spirit. And I just kept saying no, but it was the, it was the best thing I could have done. Like, yes, there were some years of struggle there, but I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade the journey or the outcome for anything. I just, it's, it's been beautiful. And I think sometimes, um, we do lean very far into the expectations of others. Um, and not really listening to that. I don't know. I kind of call it that still small voice or that nudge that's like, no, this is for you. I think a lot of us have been trained to ignore. Yeah. Um, that little voice inside or well, to dismiss society, it.
0: Society does that to us because had my best friend put it. He goes, what you do is you're just not normal. And mm-hmm. he did it in a condescending tone. You're not normal. And I go, yeah, I, at this time I knew statistics and I was like, well, statistically 54, I want to say percent of people are unhappy with their jobs or their lives. If, when they did a study in like 2016 or 17, I was like, so normal is unhappy and I'm in that 47% Jay. Which means that in my abnormality, I'm happy, man. Mm-hmm. So there's this desire for us to not because humans we're we're pack animals. We like to be accepted in in, in that group. We not they many guys. of us, yeah, not many of us do well as as the, the loners are on as bystanders. We need to be accepted. And so society has a weird, like we have our private circle, but a societal circle. And if I feel like I'm I'm gonna be ostracized by anybody. I don't want to do it for most people i don't want to do it I, maybe i grew up getting bullied i felt this pressure i was part of the crew i don't know what it's like to be alone and it's a lonely journey to do your own thing i think about the people the tribe you're part of you kind of have to go against them to go create this thing and that's not what many people can do and so because of that there's there's this desire to do what i got to do for the least path of resistance you know, the path of least resistance so we we lean in i i the voice is typically there but like you said, I don't listen or I, I quiet it down by making the other voice louder, which is stop it. You're crazy. Look at the world says it's dumb. I'm not gonna be dumb. I don't want to look stupid. And and I think those are the people that end up living in like a quiet desperation.
1: Yeah. Okay. So C shift sustain.
0: Sustain. Yeah. So the shifting portion is all about literally what I look at is is having the identity clear you want to shift into. I'm an identity guy. I'm not going to go deep into what identity is, but essentially it's who you are when you're not thinking about who you are. It's your natural state Mm -hmm. and flow. The actions you take build your life. And a lot of us, as we build our life, we're doing it unintentionally, haphazardly, off the whim. And we're not aware that our identity is that thing, building it. So if I'm pessimistic, optimistic, happy, joyous, I'm condescending, whatever it is, that shows up in the actions unconsciously. And we build our life that way. And then what happens is we never stop and think like, is this the identity I want to be? Because that identity has the things we have now. If I want to have more, there's an identity that has more of the things I want. So in that bubble, we have to go, okay, great. Well, how do I go and shift into that? Once I've charted that path, the I'll call it the, the destinations, I, I call it the destination identity, right? Where I'm trying to go. At that point I go, okay, great. How do I get there? Now I'll have the ideas and the structure and the actions I can take. Because in the C stage, I found out my holes and my blind spots. Now I'm going, where do I want to go? So I finally have a beginning, a current location, and a destination so I can chart my path. That's what we do in the shift phase. What what will I do that if I do it right, it'll shift, and who will I shift into? The last piece, sustain, is what do I have to do to keep myself on a progression nonstop to go from that 10 to 0 I talked about? How do I sustain this? And I call it a discipline system. Do I have a discipline system built into my life that allows me to put the time in to make this shift? Because if I don't, I'll start for an hour, I'll start for a day, and it'll die. And if I don't have something structured, systems, people, boundaries, barriers, all this stuff, it'll fall flat like it has happened for many, many people. But if you sustain it. There'll be a day when you wake up and it, you didn't feel like it every day. Like every day didn't feel joyous to do it, but you know, within it you just, you kept the discipline to do the thing. One day it becomes this thing where it's so normal to you. It just feels like who you are to do that thing that you used to hate doing. Mm-hmm. And on that day you wake up and you'll, it'll pop in your head. You go, wow, I can't even get back into the headspace of the person I used to be. I think different, feel different, operate different. And it's that moment where you can definitively know, like you made the shift. Because now those things that you knew had to be done, but were so hard to you, it feels hard not to do them.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. I heard you say on Good Morning America, fall in love with the day, not mm-hmm. the destination.
0: Can Big you time. break that down? Yeah. It's actually in line with the sustained portion. There's the discipline part of this thing where everybody's looking for the outcome. I want to get to the place. And every day, if I'm looking only the place, I am not presently aware of anything more than how far I am from the place I'm supposed to be. It's always just painful. I'm always rec- recalling how much I'm not there. But if you find a way to go, well, what if I identify with the efforts? What if I am, what if I am a person who prides myself on the effort each day? Well, then what happens is I'll fall in love with the day because I'll be happy I gave the effort today. I'll be happy that I, I did the thing and I'll be happy that when I failed, I tried, but I failed, but I tried. You know, like There's this whole feeling there. And when I fall in love with that or I seek things within the difficulty that I can find joy around, it gives me a different sense of confidence. And I'm like, man, this is, this is really cool. Like I, I tried this thing and I learned this thing, right? So the day itself gets better and then the destinations come faster and more frequent. And when I get to them, the cool thing is you're gonna spend way, way, way more time on the journey than you will the destination. You may get there, hit the peak, cool, now what? We go back to the journey, down the mountain, up the mountain. So the idea is like, if you do it right, you'll get to a destination and go, wow, this is cool. I want to get back to the journey. Yeah. Let me get back to the day. You do that and I think you're living a great life.
1: Oh yeah, I love that. I love that because the joy is truly in the journey. Like mm-hmm. that's where you learn yourself, right? Like that's where you really learn what you're capable of, who you are, what your voice is, what you mm-hmm. like, what you don't like. Like all of those things come in the journey. They don't They don't come at the end and we have this habit of I'll be happy when. Yeah right i'll be happy when i get there at the end but the truth is when you end kind of one thing it's like okay you you got the degree you graduated now a new journey begins <laughs> like you're back yeah. on
0: it's it's kind of odd it's like saying this is like, serious like imagine i'm going to i don't know i'm gonna fly from california i'm going to my baltimore trip tonight right so let's say i get i get out of my house and the the trains are and then you know, on the way there, I I, I I forgot something at the house and I got to go to the airport and then the, the flights are And then I land and I just, it takes forever. My bags out of the checkout. And then I get to the you know my car, my car's late and I get to the hotel and, the, and I get to the hotel had a horrible trip, but the room's nice. I'm still in a bad mood. The room be amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna be in a bad mood because my whole trip sucked. Yeah, I don't care about the couch. Right. But I leave the house and I get, you know, an upgrade on my to first class and they bring me some nice food and my car's on time and the train was on time and everything's great. If I get there, I'm in a great mood. Even if the room sucks, I'm typically going to be like, it's cool. Let me know when it's ready. Like, I'll we'll get to better, Like, I'm in a better mood still. That's the what you got to be. Cause if you're in a good mood on the way there and the room's great, it's cherry on top. But even if you're in a good mood when you get there and the room's not that great, it's still okay. You're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, hey, it's cool. So that journey, man, people are are really missing out on the concept, like you're, you're messing the thing up. Like find a love for the process because if you don't, you're gonna hate all of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you won't be committed, right? Committed to the process. What we say here is that a lot of people are interested. So we may see what we say we want and we may be willing to shift some stuff, but then we won't sustain it, right? We don't, we're not willing to put in the work. Every day is based on how we feel. Um, who agrees, who didn't agree, you know, finding time instead of making time. Like, we can come up with any number of excuses or reasons or rationalizations for whether we're actually going to commit. But commitment is what makes the difference. Like, you do have to be able to sustain it. You have to be willing to do fewer things a million times, not a million things a few times, and -hmm. then be upset with the results.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's it's getting into flow we as humans we just we're built to be in flow it's a matter of what we're doing and where our capacity is well in that flow and if your capacity sucks because you didn't expand it like weights i have to build strength to be able to move more weights in the weight room right i gotta build the capacity because i'm i'm gonna get to a flow no matter what it is and if that flow can't handle much i won't be able to attain or achieve much Mm -hmm.
1: so good Anthony, before we let you go, I want to ask you what we call redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. All right. You're going to just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right. Tacos. Tacos. <laughs> Spoken like someone who lives in California. I understand. Yeah, um, all job. right. <laughs> Here we go. The first one is, um, how do you define success? Control. That is the first. Just straight up control. Okay, you have to break that down. I know it's supposed to be. Oh, now it's not rapid
0: rapid fire. It's it's
1: rapid fire, but wait, I need backstory. (laughs) I need some some context.
0: Most people say like freedom is success, and I find that that freedom is interesting because I have the freedom to choose a job that I hate, freedom to be in a relationship I don't want to be in, freedom to eat food that tears my body up, but I don't want to eat it because I know it makes me unhealthy. Control tells me that I have the control of my life, so that's beyond freedom, in my opinion. Like I have the freedom to do one thing, but I have control of myself and my mind to say, I'm not going to eat that food. I then have control over my day. I can get up and say, you know what? I don't want to work today. I have control enough to leave this relationship. It's not serving me. So I don't think that money is the thing. I think it's control. And money plays a role. Do I have the money to be able to say, I don't want to work today and control my life in that manner? I think control is a thing that most people are seeking, but we uh, it's not power. I think power is different. Power is like a sense of dominion over others sometimes. Mm-hmm. Control I look at as more of an internal thing, but my vision of success is control.
1: Mm. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. Define wealth in three words or less.
0: Wealth, um, time, health, happiness.
1: Got it. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself?
0: Lynn twists, the soul of money.
1: Yes. I love that book too. Good book. Yeah. Good one. Um, And fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is.
0: My name is Anthony. And for me, the truth about wealth is it is vastly different for every person. That's the great part about it
1: indeed i agree anthony thank you so much for being here i know the audience is going to be incredibly blessed by your testimony um and see shift sustain uh definitely going to make sure that we link to the book is there anything else well how do you want people to find you and stay in touch with you
0: never find me i'm a goat no (laughs) um no, no. If you, go to, if you go to identityshiftbook.com, you can get the book. And then if you go to at Anthony Trucks at Instagram, you'll find me there. But that's probably the best place. If if anything I said resonates, you want to find out more about my work, by all means, come hang out.
1: Go hang out. You heard it here. Anthony, thank you so much. We appreciate
0: you. Great welcome. Thank you.
1: Okay. I know that that was so good. If you need to rewind and listen to some of this a few times, I totally get it. If you're in a season of your life right now where you're throwing away labels, and your entire identity is shifting i'm with you i truly understand i am detaching myself from many labels in this season of my life as well make sure you reach out to anthony trucks and tell him that you heard about his life-changing work here on the redefining wealth podcast his book you can find at identityshiftbook.com that's identityshiftbook.com and i just truly hope that it'll be a blessing to you We're in a new season, we're all in a new season. And it's gonna require us to think more about not just what we wanna do and what we wanna have, but who we need to become in the process in order to truly sustain that. And that is what I want for myself and for you and for all of us as purpose chasers all over the world. Listen, if you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast in a while, gonna need you to do that. No, I'm asking, I'm begging, I'm pleading, no can you do that? Because it helps more brilliant people like you find us. And the more people we have redefining wealth for themselves, I truly believe the better the world will be. Um, And that's it for me. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Welcome back, and I'll talk to you later.